Good morning. Welcome to Calvary. We are so glad that you have taken the time to join us today. Whether you are joining us from our traditional service at our Golden Valley campus, whether you are joining us online or you are joining us live in the room from Calvary Minnetonka, we are just so glad that you have taken the time out of your busy summer weekend to join us at Calvary. We don't believe it's any accident that you are here today. We believe that God has you here for a purpose, and we are excited to experience Jesus in a new way with you today. Uh, before we get started with the message, I really just want to say thank you. Thank you so much to each and every one of you who are partnering with us as we attempt to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We would not be able to do it without you. Whether you are partnering with us by serving, maybe you volunteer in our Calvary Kids ministry, maybe you help out in our next-gen ministry or on guest experience or on a worship team, or maybe you partner with us financially and you help uh, to equip us so that we can go out into the community to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for your continued generosity and your continued support. If you brought a gift today that you'd like to give to the mission, uh, we would love to partner with you in that way. You can drop it off if you are live in a room on your way out in one of the boxes. If you are watching online, you can always donate at calvary.org give. Again, welcome. My name's Josh. For maybe some of you who don't know me, I am the director of worship experience here at Calvary, and I absolutely love what we do at Calvary during the month of August. Now, if you have been around Calvary for a couple years, you kind of know this. If this is your first time, I'm happy to clue you in. During the month of August, we have a different person on staff deliver the message every single week. And what a great opportunity, not only for us as staff to kind of share our heart with all of you, but hopefully for you guys to learn a little bit more about us and hear us communicate in a different way than maybe you normally do. But I have to tell you, every single time people find out that I'm going to be the one delivering the message, I get asked two questions without fail every single time. And the first one that I get asked is this, is everyone else on vacation? Now, I never really know how to take this question, right? I'm hoping that they're just concerned, right? That the staff is getting enough rest before fall kickoff, that we're all getting recharged and ready to go before the regular season starts again. Or maybe they're worried about what I'm going to say, Right? What is the worship guy going to say this time? Or maybe they're just on this quest for knowledge to find out what all the best vacation spots are out there. Right? But that one doesn't bother me quite as much. This next question that I get asked 100% without fail always throws me for a loop. And it's this. Are you going to sing the message? Are you going to, am I going to what? Can you imagine can you imagine if we sang the entire message here at Calvary? I want you to imagine this, okay? Put yourself in this position. You've been attending Calvary for a long time, right? You consider this your home church. You're excited about it. Maybe this is the Sunday that you've said, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to invite my friend. I'm going to invite my coworker. I'm going to invite my family member to come to church. Because at Calvary, we know what you can expect, right? You know that when you come to Calvary, you're going to get greeted in the door by somebody in a fantastic blue guest experience shirt. You know that there's going to be coffee. You know that there's going to be donuts. You know that when you walk into the worship space, you're going to have an awesome worship experience. And then you get this guy up here and you expect him to just deliver the message in a normal way. But instead, he starts singing the message at you. That is so out of left field and what you would expect here at Calvary that it would just throw you off. 
And it reminds me so much, this whole idea of when Hollywood remade the Broadway musical Les Mis. Right? If you don't know what Les Mis is, it's one of the most famous Broadway shows ever. It has great music. It's been around for a long time. But normally when Hollywood gets their hands on something, they take creative liberties. Right? I think we all know that. So a few years ago when this movie was coming out, I watched the trailer. It had all the greatest hits from the Broadway. I was super excited to go see it because I thought this is going to be great. I'm excited to see what kind of creative liberties they took with this whole thing. Went to the movie and it was three hours of nonstop singing. Even like the talking lines. Everything was sung. And it's not that that was bad, right? It's not that it was wrong. It just wasn't what I expected. The movie trailer did not set me up for what actually happened during the movie. And I was just in shock. And I was just, un I was just so unexpecting, right? Now... I tell you all of this, this whole rabbit trail, because we are in a message series right now at Calvary called Staycation. And the overarching theme of this series is how do we as Christians make a difference right now in our communities? And this idea got me thinking about my own life as I was rabbit trailing down this. And I started asking myself this question. Would people know I'm a Christian without me telling them? Would people know that I'm a Christian without me telling them? Is the movie trailer that is people's perception of my life, does it live up to the real deal? Now, whether we like to admit it or not, culture today has so many preconceived notions about what Christians are like or what we're supposed to be like, right? Christians are supposed to be loving and non-judgmental and forgiving Right? That's what we're supposed to be like. But I think what we hear about more often is the complete other side of the spectrum when we hear that Christians are stuck, that Christians are out of touch, that Christians are bigots and judgmental. Right? It is pretty easy nowadays to be a surface level Christian and just get by and to make people happy around you. Right? Like, I'm a good person, I do good things, I go to church once a week. That is pretty easy to do. It's pretty easy to be a movie trailer. Christian, but what happens when somebody buys a ticket to the movie that is your life and they have to experience the entire thing from start to finish, all of your ins and outs every minute of every day? This adds so many levels of how do we navigate as individuals following Jesus in a way that brings glory and honor to God, right, as ourselves. And on top of that, how do we lead other people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And then on top of that, how do we do all of this when we have hockey practice three days a week? When we are involved in a small group, when maybe we travel for work or we're trying to cram in a vacation before school starts. And by the way, you haven't bought school supplies yet. And then there's a wedding and then there's a funeral and it's going to snow soon. And all of this stuff piles on top to what real life is. How do we remain and live out what God wants us to do with all of this stuff going on. Now, these stereotypes are not a new phenomenon. They're not new for my generation. They're not new for your generation. They certainly weren't a new idea when Jesus was around. He experienced all of these things, right? And in what might be the most Hollywood plot twist ever, when Jesus came to earth, he did not come as what 
the Jewish people expected their Messiah to come as. They expected him to come as this war hero, right? Somebody who was just going to come and liberate Israel from all of their enemies. Somebody like Rambo, right? Just big and muscular and ready to throw down at a moment's notice. But instead, they got the unexpected. They got a shepherd. They got a carpenter. They got a simple man who was fully God and fully man, but came to serve rather than to be served. And I think the best verse that uh, encapsulates all of this is in the book of Matthew. Um, If you have a paper Bible, feel free to open it. The book of Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Easiest way to get there is if you open your Bible halfway, right down the middle, and then you take the back half and open it halfway again. Most likely you'll be in the book of Matthew. But Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 says this. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. That doesn't sound like a war hero. That sounds like a servant. That sounds like a shepherd. Jesus set the expectation right away of how we should behave and how we should react and how those actions are carried out to have the greatest impact. That's why, I don't know if you were around or you're old enough to remember, but those WWJD bracelets, right? It stood for what would Jesus do? They were meant to be as a reminder, right, of to think about how would Jesus act in this situation? Or more importantly, how would Jesus react in this situation? Now, not the easiest task, right? I don't know if you're ever in a situation where you just react poorly every single time. No matter the situation, if you're always in that situation, you're going to react the same way and it's always going to be poorly. Now, I'm sure that none of you have that situation in your life. So what I'll do is I'm going to open up the window and let you look inside to what is my life and I will give you an example, okay? I do not like it when the journey from A to B changes, And I think what at the root of all that is I hate being late. There is nothing that bothers me more than being late. And the only thing that usually makes me late is when something between A and B happens that causes me to be late. Um, I think after I've arrived at a situation, most people would say I'm pretty flexible. I can roll with the punches. I'm pretty adaptable. But if something happens, even if it's out of my control, right? If we're driving down the highway and there's a big traffic jam or there's a big storm that I have to pull over for that ruin my travel plans, I get frustrated and it is a nightmare for me. Now, a little bit more about my life. I am the father of three boys, a 10-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a four-year-old. Okay, so there is rarely a time that we're going somewhere that we leave on time, right? That's just not a thing that happens in our household. There's rarely a time where we're backing out of the driveway and we have everything that we need. We don't need to pull back in and grab something like a shoe or something random, right? Or there's rarely a time where we don't have to stop on a car ride to go to the bathroom or to get something to eat or to watch a butterfly fly by or whatever it is there is always something that is stopping us from getting to point A to point B. And you can see how a situation like this, I am prone to respond less than Jesus-like, right? And the worst part of this whole thing for me, this whole problem that I struggle with, is that Jesus modeled how to do this well 
literally his entire ministry life. And I read about it every day and it still doesn't click. And I still don't get it. The gospel of Matthew is full of stories of Jesus continuously getting interrupted on his way to his next destination. Uh, We're going to camp out in Matthew chapter 8, so feel free to switch over to that. What is happening at the beginning of Matthew chapter 8 is Jesus has just finished the sermon of all sermons, the goat message, the greatest of all time, the sermon on the mount. He has to be just exhausted after this, has to be exhausted, is coming down the mountain just looking forward to getting to his next destination when he gets stopped by a man with leprosy. And that's where we're going to pick it up. Matthew chapter 8, starting at verse 2. It says, suddenly, unexpectedly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I am willing, he said, be healed. And just a few sentences later, if you drop down a little bit in the book of Matthew, Jesus has finally reached the city, right? Not even the destination in the city, just the city. And he gets stopped by a Roman officer and it says this, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. So Jesus does that, and then he finally gets to Peter's house, and wouldn't you know it, Peter's mother-in-law is sick. She's sick in bed. So Jesus heals her, and then people find out that Jesus is in this house, and they start bringing all of these demon-possessed people for Jesus to cast out all the demons, right? He just can't get a break, and maybe what was Jesus' last-ditch effort to get a little bit of peace and quiet, he says, okay, Everybody, we're going to get into this boat. We're going to run over to the other side of this lake. All right, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to take a quick nap, quick snoozer in the bottom of this boat, and we're going to get to the other side of the lake. Okay, little does he know, he's asleep. This massive storm comes out of nowhere that completely interrupts his travel plans, freaks the disciples out, and he has to get up and calmly and firmly still the storm. And then they finally get across the lake and there are two more demon-possessed people over there that he has to heal. And it goes on and on and on and on. But Jesus is always available to bring glory and honor to God through his actions. Jesus is always available to bring glory to God through his Actions And Jesus continuously models the importance of putting aside our own plans in order to go out of the way for our, our community. So like, I think, what if, what if my mindset shifted? What if those interruptions from point A to point B for me, maybe that traffic jam that I'm stuck in that's going to make me late, how is God using this as an opportunity for me to bring glory to him? It's a different way to think about it, Right? Not only is Jesus showing us the importance of being available and being open to what God is going to use us for, he is continuously teaching the people around him and teaching his followers and his disciples the why behind why this is important, right? He shows us that it's not only doing the actions and being available when God is calling you to do something, but it's explaining the why to the next generation. It's explaining the why to the people that are following you. Right? Megan talked about this last week. If you were here, she told the story of Jesus walking through a town and all of these little kids wanted to come up 
and hang out with Jesus, and the disciples were pushing them away, right? And Jesus said, no, we're going to stop. Let the little children come to me, right? And she had this idea that if you ever see a picture of that, you never see the disciples just arms crossed in the back, right? But I have to think they probably were, right? Because I, I have, I like to think that maybe they had a similar personality to me, at least one of them, right? And they just get frustrated with Jesus stopping all the time on the journey to help people with no respect for the time frame, right? With no urgency to get to the next thing. But what Jesus continuously reminds me and you is that we need to embrace the mission and we need to be eager to serve. Jesus is always reminding us that we need to embrace the mission and be eager to serve. So what is the mission? What is the mission and what does it mean to serve? Matthew tells us again in chapter 22, uh, what's happening right now is that Jesus is being confronted by a bunch of Jewish religious leaders and they're trying to stump him on his Bible knowledge, right? So they ask him this question, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. At Calvary, we boil this down to love God and love people. Love God and love people. And as Christians, we know that the best way to love God is by loving the people around us, right? Now that looks different to everybody, right? Loving your neighbor does not look the same to me as it does to you. If there was a cookie cutter approach and a way to love your neighbor, it would be so much easier than it actually is, right? But how do we know that this is important? We know it because Jesus modeled it. Jesus modeled what it looked like to go out of his way for his community every single day, even when it's hard, even when it wasn't part of the plan, even when it was messy or it was expensive. Now, there's a pastor in the Atlanta, Georgia area that we quote all the time here at Calvary, I think because he inspires a lot of us. He says this to his church. He says, what does love require of me today? That's a line that will always stick with me. What does love require of me today? Because we talked about it, loving our neighbors looks different to each and every one of us. But when we're asking the question, what does love require of me today, it at least gets us looking and being open to those opportunities of how God is going to use us. Now, I personally struggle with the how sometimes, right? Like, how could God possibly use me? How could I possibly help? What could I possibly do? Or I make excuses, right? Like, I'm too busy. I have too much going on. Sorry, we're just running out the door. We can't do something. And whenever I catch myself thinking or in that state of mind, I think about this statement. It says, everything you're going through, been through, and will go through has and will uniquely shape you in a way to serve someone else. I'm going to read it again. Everything you are going through, everything you've been through, and everything you will go through has and will uniquely shape you in a way to serve someone else. 
What I love about this is that God has uniquely equipped each and every one of us to serve and to love our neighbors in a way that nobody else can. We are each wired individually and perfectly for what God has intended us to do. We just need to keep our eyes open and be available for how God is going to use us. Now, the best way that I know how to make this idea stick, right, is this concept that I have that's called the community scale, TM. It's important. The community scale. Now, if you don't know anything about music, I'm going to give you just a real quick crash course. You guys thought you were going to get through a message with the music guy and not have any music. Well, you thought wrong. We're just going to have a little bit here. So in a scale, there are 13 notes in a scale. All right, that's important to know. And then they just kind of repeat after that. Everything in music revolves around this note. We call it middle C. Everything builds off of this note. This note is God. This note is God knowing who you were as he knit you in your mother's womb before your parents even knew that you were going to be around, right? Before you even have thought, God knew who you were. God was constant. God was always with you in your life, right? That never changes. And then we move up the scale, right? And we create tension, right? This is probably childbirth. That sounds like childbirth, right? It's not really a tensionist moment for you as a baby, but for your parents, it definitely is, right? And then we keep moving up the scale to something that still has a little bit of tension. We call it dissonance in music, but it's more pleasing to the ear, right? This is maybe the first time you slept through the night as a baby or when you started eating solid food, right? And then we get here, maybe uh, you're teething, something, something rough is happening or uh, yeah, you're teething, you're potty training, all of those. Can you tell what stage of life some of my kids are in, right? Okay, so then we get to the next one, preschool. It's nice. It's happy. You're going to go. You're going to learn some social skills. You're going to meet some new friends. Get invited to your first birthday party ever. It's going to be great and lead you to elementary school, which is perfect, right? It is a perfect day. All you do is you run around with your friends. You eat popsicles and drink Capri Suns. Nothing is wrong in elementary school. But then we get halfway through the scale to what we call in music land the tritone, also known as the devil's interval, also known as middle school. It's rough. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of tension going on in those years of your life. And you live here for a long time. But what's important to remember is even though you're here, God has never left. God is always constant. God is always with you. And eventually you get here. You're finally an adult. You realize that everything your parents ever told you never have to do again and that you were right all the time, right? And then you get to the next step where you lose your first job and you have to move back in with mom and dad, right? And then you keep moving up. Maybe you buy your own house. You start your own family. And then another thing happens. And then another thing happens. And then eventually we're gone and we're back and we're one with the father again. What I love about this is that God never changes. He's always there. He is always constant. No matter what stage of life we're at, no matter what note on the scale we are, God is always with us. Now, notes on the scale are pretty boring on their own, right? They're just notes. We wouldn't consider that music. But what makes the notes on a scale so cool 
And what makes music so powerful is the story that it can tell when we put them together. When we remain rooted in God, but we add all of our life experience, all of the things that we have going on, it begins to create this beautiful symphony and this beautiful story of how much better we are together, right? No matter what stage of life we're at, there's somebody who has been through what you're going through. And what I love about music is that the notes support each other. If God is here and you're here, there's somebody here that's having a rough go. And how do you come along and support them to take them to the next level? We are better together. We are better when we are loving and when we are supporting each other. So the question I'm going to leave you with today is this. What does love require of you today? What note are you on the scale? And more importantly, what note are the people in your lives on the scale? Right? Maybe you have been blessed with the ability to fix anything that is wrong with a car. It just makes sense to you, right? But little do you know, that young family that just moved in down the street can't afford to get their car fixed. And you might be the answer. Because you've been there. And you've powered through it. And now you can support and help them. Maybe you're a young adult who is living next to a recently widowed neighbor. And you know that their lives would be a thousand times better with a weekly cup of coffee. Maybe you're doing super well financially. Like everything keeps going up for you. But little do you know it is your next door neighbor just got laid off and can't afford groceries. There are so many opportunities for us to be better together and for us to support and to love those around us. A lot of times we just have to open our eyes and we just have to be available for how God is going to use you that day. What does love require of you today? How am I going to be available? We all have a part to play. We all have a note on the scale and we can all be available and listen for the ways that God is calling to use us. Now, at the beginning of the message, I asked the question, would people know that I'm a Christian without me telling them? I think the real question is, is there no doubt in people's mind that I'm a Christian because of how well I love my community? Is there no doubt in people's mind that I am a follower of Jesus because of how well I love my neighbors each and every day? What does love require of you today? And are you going to be available for how God is going to use you today, tomorrow, and in the future? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to be your hands and feet. Something that honestly we don't deserve. And something that is even more unexpected that you call us to do each and every day. Help us to be open, to be available to what love is requiring of us today, tomorrow, the next day. Help us to remember the notes on the scale that we were. Help us to remember those life experiences that we've been through. And help us to be open to looking for those who are in or have been through similar things as we do so that we can love and support each other even better. God, thank you for your son, Jesus, who modeled all of this so well. In Jesus' name, amen.